0: Hello and welcome to Nevermind The Pain Points, a podcast dedicated to helping you unlock your business challenges. Pulling on our network of clients, partners, experienced employees and industry experts, we wanted to share with you our views and opinions on common business challenges. As a consulting firm that deals with these pain points on a daily basis, we thought we were well-placed to give insights on addressing these challenges. Enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome to our latest podcast on data maturity. Today I'm joined by Ollie Bartlett and James Watkins from one of our partners, DataSpark, to talk about some of the benefits and practicalities of improving an organisation's data maturity. Ollie and James, welcome. Please will you tell the listeners a bit about DataSpark and your roles within it?
2: Sure, thanks for that. I'm Ollie Bartlett. I'm the Product Manager at DataSpark. DataSpark is a, a small AI and machine learning consulting firm. We will come in and help design build and run machine learning solutions for our clients and we're really there to to help drive value in the business we work across various different industries and they tend to be optimization problems so it could be for example uh, helping predict demand for products if you're selling things it can be predicting payments if you're in financial services or other industries but generally it's it's helping organizations who are relatively data mature and have data in a good state and want to get additional value from that data and help um, the decision making that goes on in the business.
1: And what's your role in that?
2: So I'm a product manager and it may sound a bit strange, to have a product manager in a professional services organisation, but one of the things that makes DataSpark unique is that we take a very product thinking approach to our engagements. And by that, I mean, we are very value focused, very focused on how our solutions will get used that they will deliver the value that is promised. So one of the things we've seen with companies who have experience working with machine learning and AI and it hasn't gone so well, is that they're very focused on the machine learning and the data science aspects of it, but not necessarily focused on how the solutions will get used, how they'll get incorporated into the day-to-day business processes. And so you can end up with a, a perfect model or you know, a brilliant solution, but if it's not engaged with by the, the workforce, then it doesn't get used. And so no value is actually gained at the end of it. So we really keep that focus on the full end to end from not just the data science and the model itself, but actually where will the output of this model be surfaced? Who's going to use it? Where in their process are they going to use it and how is it going to help them actually make better decisions? So my role is really ensuring that we maintain that product thinking approach across all our engagements and that we are continually focused on actually driving value and not just building great solutions.
1: Yeah, always keeping the end in mind. It's so critical. And James, if you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what your role is.
0: Sure. Hi, everyone. I'm James Watkinson, and I'm the head of engineering at DataSpark. Um, I'm a mechanical engineer turned software engineer, and my role is to ensure across all of our projects, whether it be AI or more of a traditional BI platform, or in fact, an application to ensure they are delivered in such a manner, which is of a high quality, repeatable and dependable solution. So in a nutshell, that's what I do.
1: Thank you very much. I'd like to start by talking about the kind of common problems that organizations face when they decide to bite the bullet and go after improved decision making. James, when you first start working with these organizations on BI or machine learning, whatever it might be, what are the common data problems that you see among your clients?
0: Sure, we'll start from a BI perspective. And what we commonly find in the URI that people have understood there's a certain amount of value within a data asset, whether that be an application or a downstream report from that application. And what they'll do is using the, the tools they have readily available, is perhaps take an extract of that information and then maybe they'll collect several extracts, do some processing themselves and then move them on to another team. Effectively, what you'll commonly find in an organisation is this very quickly becomes something more production, something that's required to run every day. And this sort of daisy chaining of processes can cause problems. Now, the reason for that is to do with any sort of process should require a test in order to maintain quality. And what we typically find in an organisation is those sorts of things aren't happening. And over time, this really useful data asset that the organization's found and started to use can become a bit of a problem because without some of the, the governance, the quality checks, the understanding of what what they're doing, it can very quickly be very difficult to expand upon to build new features. It can be very difficult for them to share. And also the quality can lead to a lot of time being wasted. One example we have within a government department is a process that perhaps took about a day to extract from an application was causing days and almost weeks of work downstream on a very regular basis. And that was all to do with a lack of definition on the original extraction and all the processes being changed up without any test.
1: So if I understood what you're saying correctly, they were extracting data that was defined in a way that meant then downstream of the extraction of that data, they had to compensate for the thing that they'd originally extracted. And perhaps if they'd gone to that root cause and defined their data better and curated it better, they wouldn't have had all of that rework or compensation further on.
0: Correct. To a certain extent, the application that you normally extract data from, it is in a format that really suits that individual application. And you've got a certain amount of trust there. But it's the moment you move it out and you start trying to manipulate it or make changes that now suit your given use case. It's all those small manipulations and pivots and changes that you then pass on to the next person Without applying proper standards or any level of testing or quality checks. And then eventually, this daisy chain can get rather large and cause an awful lot of time to be wasted.
1: It sounds a little bit like a game of Chinese whispers. If you pass it between enough people's hands by by the time you get to the end, it's almost like you're looking at completely different information.
0: That's exactly right. Ideally, in the alternative to that is to make sure your sort of original application, you want to get data out of there because you don't want to be accessing it at the actual application. You don't want to cause any issues with the running of that and move it into another system. And that new system, you need to make sure you want to encapsulate all of your testing within there. Um, You want to make sure that other team members are able to build on top of it. It's nice and it's extendable. And also, once you've done some processing that's nicely tested and other people can contribute you need to make sure you can share it with the correct people within the business
1: that sounds like a pretty large challenge for most organizations if you consider for an average organization how many different sources of information they might have and all the different things they might want to do with that information and how those processes build up over time and the complexity of that that sounds like an extraordinarily large challenge
0: And it can be. And my response to that is to start small. So start with one of your most valuable and your most accessible use case and use that as the pilot. And you need to, at the same time, whilst you're running that pilot use case and you're moving data into this potential new platform, you need to make sure you're communicating with downstream stakeholders. You're perhaps doing a bit of training so that if you're going to be requesting people to use this tool, you're going to make it very clear about all of these new standards and or quality checks that you're gonna be applying. So my advice is to start small and make sure you have some success in that way first.
2: Our approach is very end-to-end. We are interested in everything from the technical solution to how it's gonna be used, how it's gonna be introduced into the organization. And for that reason, we get involved in these solutions from the get-go, from the start. We want to understand what the business problem is that we're solving. So our engagement with a company will typically start from the point of understanding what their business problems are and where the, where the bottlenecks are, where there's opportunity to move faster, make decisions quicker, make more accurate decisions, fewer errors. All these kind of these kind of pain points that are typically well solved with data. So I guess the first step is kind of understanding where are the problems, and we very quickly try to get to a hypothetical solution. So what would the ideal scenario look like in this case? If you had a perfect solution, how would it work and what would the impact be? Uh, doing that across the board of a variety of problems makes it much easier to then prioritise actually where should we focus. That's kind of key. Because without knowing that end state, you know, where are the top priority problems, how would they be solved, and what value would an ideal solution bring? Without having that clarity, it makes it very hard to know where to start in sorting out data and starting to become data mature. Typically, I would say most of our companies we start working with aren't fully data mature. I mean, who is? There's always elements that you can improve. But we start by focusing on actually where we're trying to go to. What's that top priority problem that we're going to solve and how we solve it? And out of that, then pretty quickly starts to drop the kind of data that we need to in order to solve it. Use one example of a client we're working for. We're predicting demand for a product. And so knowing that demand forecasting is the top priority problem there, it quickly becomes apparent that things like really good quality historical sales data is incredibly valuable there if we know you know how many orders there were of a certain product on a certain date last year that's a very good base set of data to start predicting demand in the future now that is just one of hundreds thousands of data sets this organization holds but immediately having that clarity over the outcome allows us to start saying right this is the first data set to focus on to to clean up ensure it's accessible ensure it's maintained that's being archived effectively that we can get access to it in real enough time to actually You'd be able to make good predictions.
0: I like to think on a machine learning or even a, a BI product of data as your material and if I was to say to you Philip to go and build a bench outside the first thing you would you would go and do is sort of look around find suitable <laughs> bits of wood or metal or something and it just cannot be underestimated how important it is at the beginning of a project before making any decisions about what it is you would like to predict or sort of visualise or ascertain is the importance of understanding what you currently have and, and where it's at. And I'm not saying it should be 100% of your focus, but if you don't have eye on it at all, it's a, an, again a really common failure point for an analytical project.
1: So it's, it's kind of critical not to dive too deeply. You don't want to get paralysed by the analysis, but you do need to have a sense of landscape you need to understand what your sources are and and what sort of information they're holding
0: precisely and uh, depending on sort of the size of the organization that could be relatively simple you might have to speak to one or two people that you you might be able to know and see across an office or if you're within a much larger organization it can take an awful lot of time to even track who are the right people to speak to to get to the right point so um, it's very dependable problem
1: on um, a, a business's situation so we've talked about some of the common origins of problems that organizations might face when they're trying to improve their data maturity and we've also talked about how they might decide where to focus next you know following the value start with the end in mind think of things to end to end and build incrementally from a from a prototype in order to understand what the blockers might be and remove those as they go when doing that What are the common assumptions or mistakes that are made by those organisations that are less data mature?
2: There's a couple of things that come to mind. I think one is a lack of appreciation of the need for decent data analysts in the organisation. This is with a view to looking at data from a BI point of view rather than a machine learning. So you want to get all of your data points, you're going to chuck them all in dashboards and put them up on screens or put them into reports for your exec or whatever else. That's is all very well, but actually it's very complex, I guess. It's complex work to deliver simple dashboards. If you wanna deliver BI that is actionable and understandable by the people who need it, it requires a lot of thinking to take these data points and, and and ensure that you are communicating what you really want to be communicating. There can be an assumption that if we get the data and we chuck it in a graph, it's gonna tell us stuff that's useful. And that's far from the case. There's many different ways to slice up data and tell different stories, as we all know from media. And it can be very challenging anyway. So don't underestimate the need for quality data analysts to be able to work with your business stakeholders, really understand what matters to them and how to translate your data points into BI that communicates that i've got a couple on machine learning as well one of the assumptions we find companies making with machine learning is that there's a guaranteed benefit it's an understandable assumption normally if you invest some money into a technical solution you expect to get something out at the end (laughs) that's going to deliver value and the reality with machine learning is it's all an experiment you are putting in data and you're seeing whether there's signal in that noise can you predict something And quite often, this could be an iterative loop and you can go back and improve your data, maybe find more data sources. But it's a very agile, iterative process, building a machine learning solution that requires effort and optimization and investment in order to get the results you need. Another thing with machine learning is there's an assumption that the results will be trusted. With data, typically, if you put some data on dashboards and it's done the right way, then it can't be argued with that much. It's telling you the facts. Machine learning outputs are very different. A machine has come to this conclusion based on a whole load of inputs and often in a not very transparent way. So although the divisions implementing these solutions may have complete confidence in them, we do see instances where a company will deliver a great machine learning solution that's working brilliantly, and then they put the outputs in front of the users and the users don't trust it. They don't believe what the machine is suggesting. And if you don't ensure you've got a path to ensuring that your users have confidence in the results, then it really undermines the value of anything you build. So don't assume that what you build is going to be trusted. Assume it won't be trusted and do what you can to bring those people on the journey and ensure they do trust what you're building.
1: Is that a problem that's specific to machine learning? Because that sounds to me like something I've come across with the use of information in general. I've seen data in different sources, which you might expect to be consistent, seems to paint a different picture. And it really undermines the extent to which people rely on that management information. So is there a broader point there about preparing people for the availability of information they didn't previously have?
2: Definitely. I think you're right, it is a broader point. I just I think it's magnified with machine learning because of the black box nature of a model. When we build a machine learning solution, we will go out of our way to implement explainability into the solution. So as well as outputting results, we ensure that we output explanations as to how the machine came to that, those conclusions, but that is by no means standard practice for machine learning. Typically, a machine learning solution, the purpose of it is to take some data in and generate a result, and the explainability tends to be secondary, and it shouldn't be it's a bigger problem for machine learning because it requires that additional development expertise to create the explainability. With typical lack of trust in data, like you mentioned, it's still hypothetically possible for someone to dig under the covers a bit, run some SQL, go and ask someone, find out why those differences exist. But with a a machine learning solution that hasn't had any explainability built in, it's literally impossible for anyone to understand why it's come up with that result. So there's a bigger hurdle to making machine learning explainable that is required in order to gain that trust.
1: Can we talk a little bit about the importance of leadership then? What role does leadership play in all of this and what is it that is necessary from leadership to make an improvement in data maturity?
2: For a company to become data mature it needs to be part of their culture and you need leaders to live that culture in order for it to pervade through the, the business What does that mean in real steps? Be visibly seen to be making decisions based on data. For example, if you're a product organization and you're changing your product, what are the data points that led you to identify that there was a need to change? What are the data points you're measuring in your new change to ensure that you've delivered on that and you are improving the service for your customers? And talking about data, making data central to your strategy, your objectives, I think making it just part of the language that people use in the organization. Encouraging people to look at data frequently is also really valuable. So typically, I think when companies move from not being at all data-driven and data mature to starting, the first step is to just think, let's start using data to justify our decision. So there's finger in the air or gut feel, we think we should do this, how about we try that, and then secondarily they'll go on and and dig in the data and and find the points they want in order to to support or justify those decisions and it's a first step but that doesn't mean you're a data-driven organization some of the best data mature organizations I've worked with or worked for are those where people are interested and curious about the data day to day so you're visualizing the data on dashboards in in the office you're looking at performance of your products every day not to justify a question you have or to to support a theory but it's It's more so you understand how the business is behaving. You understand how your products are performing.
1: That's an interesting, almost philosophical question, really, when it comes to data is there's an element of emergent thinking. Have a look at the data and see what it tells you. And I think there's real insight and value in that because it can be be surprising. It can be counterintuitive and give organisations insight that they wouldn't otherwise have had. And then the reverse is is the first thing you were talking about, which is probably more natural for leadership, which is to have a hypothesis, have a point of view, and then test that point of view with the data. And perhaps in its worst case, ignore the data, which is contradictory to the point of view, um, which I guess is probably the lowest level of data maturity. And in addition to that, when we're thinking about the organisation at large, what would you say about data literacy within the organisation? What level of data literacy do organisations that you work with typically need in order to reap the benefits of all of your hard work and how much of a gap do you ordinarily see?
2: I think relatively little if we do our job right. If we deliver a solution or the results of which can only be interpreted by data literate people you're not really adding value you're just creating the need for another job role to come and interpret that output and translate it to the business so I think when BI or machine learning or anything like that is done well it's done in such a way that you speak the business language you take that data and you convert it into an output that doesn't require extreme levels of data literacy yes some basic data literacy I think is valuable for everyone to have and a good GCSE and statistics never goes amiss but I think we should be striving to create data outputs that can be interpreted by people who aren't what we would consider data literate because we fail if we start just creating this need for all organizations to be full of scientists we need diversity of people who understand the data and people who don't and creating outputs that are fit for their audience is key do
1: you have any top hacks for that to make data more accessible
2: i think the output doesn't always have to be a number it doesn't always have to be a graph i've just focused on how is this user interpreting the results for example one of our clients the result of the data indicates whether to issue a parking ticket or not now there's various ways you can imagine outputting that data it could be a number a percentage chance, a score, or it could literally be the default button that you highlight in the UI. It reminds me actually of that one of the failures in this recently. If anyone uses the BBC weather app, it changed to now tells you the percentage chance of it raining. So now, I was well telling me my weather tomorrow, it'll say that there's a 32% chance it will rain. Now, I'm quite data literate, but I don't know how to interpret that. What does that mean? It's a number, but is it useful to a user? I don't know. I mean, it's going to rain or it's not going to rain. At what point do I take my umbrella out? Is 38% the, the threshold? or
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some very interesting psychology in that, to understand people's willingness to take risk by just looking at how they respond to those percentages but yeah I completely take your point there's a clear difference between information and interpretation and most people who are not highly data literate and spending a lot a large portion of their time dealing with data and reporting and machine learning they just want the interpretation they want the say what and the simpler that gets the better really How much of a gap in those more technical skills do you see among your clients? So when you think about the roles which require people who are pursuing a career in data, you know, data engineers, data architects, data scientists, whatever it might be, how much of a gap do you see? And what are the challenges of bridging that gap? And what are the options for organisations to bridge that gap?
0: Oh, skill-wise, that's an interesting question. I quite often see a bigger gap in terms of leadership than I do in terms of Actual team members, I tend to find that team members can have quite closely related skills and some ambition to change, but they're quite often so wrapped up in business as usual, daily tasks, weekly tasks, which are stacked up, etc., that they don't really have the capacity whilst in work to be able to train and learn in their current situation.
2: I think we see varying gaps. And alongside that, we see varying levels of ambition to bridge the gaps or even need to bridge the gaps. There are some organizations where their ambitions are to become data literate, data driven, to make that culture very data focused using some of the techniques I talked about. But I also see other organizations where... They're not so data literate and actually they don't need to be. You can make use of data and if you build services in the right way, such that it is delivering recommendations, suggestions or answers rather than data points that need to be interpreted by analysts or whatever, then you don't necessarily need that expertise in-house. I mean, that works. And, And for some companies where their focus isn't technology and data and they just want the answers. That's often a better solution. It's not easy building a great data team and managing a data platform and building machine learning models and all the rest of it. And not every organization is going to be an expert in that. So thinking about doing what you're good at and outsourcing where it can be done better elsewhere, I think means that that target level of data maturity will differ for different organizations.
1: Absolutely. So I think that's been a really fruitful discussion. I think there's plenty of content in there. I'd just like to finish with one last thought, which is for those listeners who are hearing all of this and thinking, yep, yeah, you know, it's a challenge, but I'm willing to take it on, then what would be your advice to them to encourage them and maybe some practical next steps that they could take?
2: It is achievable. It feels like fixing data, becoming data mature is a big journey. It is a big journey, but it's it's actually a journey that's very easy to make steps on and As with any journey, knowing where you're headed is really the first point. So having clarity over what that first priority is, what's your first milestone? What's your most valuable piece of insight or decision that your company's making that would benefit from data and start from there. So start from what's that first decision point? What data might we need for it? Is that data available? If it's not, let's start working on that piece of data. So ensuring that it's being collected in a timely manner, that its quality is high enough. But try not to get overwhelmed by the fact that there's a ton of data in the organization and there's a ton of people who need to worry about it. If you start small and you start demonstrating that one small part of your company is making better decisions because of this small bit of data that's now in a better state and the output of which is being visualized in a better way, and you can demonstrate that then it snowballs and that very quickly you'll, it'll become easier to share that and other divisions start picking up on that and doing the same. And don't worry about starting from bottom up as well. We talked a bit around the need for leadership in this, but I think it's really important that actually, if you really do believe that your part of the organization could benefit from better data decisions and it's within your power to start using data, improving the quality, then don't wait for a big cultural shift to start. It's amazing how much, again, leadership strategy can be affected by seeing how these data initiatives are benefiting the organization. One other thing to say is just it's a great time to be doing this. The maturity and accessibility of tools and expertise on this is just amazing. The facility we have to manipulate access data in the cloud for cheap is better than it ever has been. So it's a great time to get started. And there are a lot of other organisations doing the same. There's a lot of support out there, whether that's from people going through the same problems as you are or professional services who can actually help you do these things. So, yeah, just get stuck in.
1: Thank you very much, Ollie and James. I really appreciate your time today. I'm sure the listeners do too. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. But until then, it's bye for now. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Never Mind the Pain Points. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favourite podcasting app or site. We would love your feedback, so please leave a review or drop us an email at at podcast@clarises.com. And for more information about us, visit our website, clarises.com.